0: hope you're having a good Sunday morning here. Um, the reality is that sometimes when we come together on Sunday morning, we come with uh, some of the struggles that we go through throughout our week. Uh, some weeks, some days, we feel uh, the brokenness of our world more than others. Um, we've realized that kind of on the global scale this week, uh, right, as, as we had the attacks over in Paris, and this really brings a reminder to us uh, of the brokenness that, that we face in this world um, and so even in the midst of that chaos, we want to remember uh, as we come together, we, we do remember that, that God is sovereign, that God is in control. Uh, of all those things, um, even when we see uh, brokenness on the global scale, uh, this has also been a week where uh, there's been some um, hardship on a local scale as well. Here, uh, some of you as students may know this, but um, we lost one of our students this week in a, a car crash. Uh, Brie Izuno, um, who is part of the Navigators uh, fellowship that that we love and partner with here in Discovery, and um, so we just want to take uh, this morning, um, knowing that that these are. Uh, examples of, of things where we see the brokenness but and we all face different things in our lives um, and so we want to take, take a moment just to be able to pray, uh, not just for things uh, on the global scale, but also uh, things right here. And uh, if we have any navigators here, navigator staff, leaders, um, if you guys maybe could just stand up. We'd love to, love to pray over you. Are you guys around here somewhere? We see, see somebody, some of you guys. Uh, we'd love to specifically pray for you guys um, as you walk with your students um, through this time. Uh, would you pray with me, church? Lord, uh, we come with heavy hearts before you this morning, Um, heavy hearts for the world, Um, God. I know it hits a little bit closer to home when uh, we see things in the Western world, Um, but God, we're reminded that uh, there's brokenness everywhere. There's people that are in pain, there's war, and there's rumors of war, and there's uh, um, people that, that are losing their lives in, in senseless ways, and uh, God, we ask questions about this, we hurt, we grieve, our, our hearts break, uh, we pray for the people of, of Paris, um, the, the, the people of, of Europe, and as there's questions, as there's wonders of what to do, but God, we also come before you and recognize that you are God, that nothing is out of your control, uh, and we rest in you, we seek you. God, uh, now that we would be led led astray just with our questions, but that we would come to you for truth and understanding, God, I pray for uh, the navigators on uh, the loss of this life this week. And um, uh, God, they're they're grappling uh, with their students. They're just feeling sorrow and grief of one of their beloved students. Um, God, we pray for her parents um, that you would be with them um, in the loss of their daughter, and. Um, I just that you would give them peace, that spirit, you would be their comforter during this time. God, we pray for students as they, uh, they grapple through this, that you would meet them where they are, that you would comfort them, that you would um, help them to, to understand you more during this time and to lean on you. God, we pray for those uh, students who uh, don't know you but knew Brie and saw the light of Christ in her. And we, we give you thanks that she knew you, Jesus, and that uh, we know that she is with you now. Um, God, I pray that through the loss of her life that uh, many might come to to know you um, because they saw you in her. And so, God, we pray that. We pray for the students. We pray for the student body. We pray for the navigators. God, we pray for each one of us as we grapple uh, week by week, day by day through some of this tough stuff, um, that that we would see you, that we would lean on you, that we would know you more, God, that you meet us where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, band. Um, youth, you're go ahead and you're, you're dismissed now. So um, thanks for staying in with us as we, as we pray. We continually pray for you guys as well as you go through uh, the tough uh, teenage years. Um, so uh, go ahead and have a great time of teaching. We're going to go into our time of teaching here. Um, you know, this, this Sunday um, there is a little bit of heavy, heavy-heartedness, a little bit of grieving. Um, next Sunday, as we talked about, we're going to come, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving um, together. Um, because uh, the reality is, in Jesus, we can. Amen. Okay. Amen. Um, we uh, go through hard stuff, but the reality is that that in Jesus we have hope, we have peace. Um, even in the midst of the struggles that we go through. Um, and so next week we will. We'll give thanks. We'll celebrate um, our hope for you, however it is that you walked in here this morning, um, whether you're feeling good, whether you're feeling struggles, that, that really what we're here for as a church is to meet people where they are, uh, meet us where we are emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, and, and, and lead us to know Jesus and the peace uh, that that comes in him, a peace that surpasses our, our circumstances. So that's what we do here as a church. Um, we've been spending our fall um, uh, studying the Bible as we always do, but we've been in a, a series specifically um, on the Holy Spirit and we've been getting to know the Holy Spirit uh, of God and and how he leads us into the life that we have in Christ, leads us uh, to know that peace, leads us to know Jesus more, um, counsels us, comforts us, and convicts us through these times. And um, I think we've had a a good time together as a church over these uh, past seven weeks. We've got one more uh, week to go today. We're wrapping up our series on the Holy Spirit um, and today we're going to talk about being, uh, the church in the spirit. If you missed all the other ones, you're brand new today, or if you missed any of them, uh, you can always listen on the app or online to some of the old ones. Uh, but we'll, uh, ho- hopefully, uh, you won't be lost today as we talk about, um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe you don't know much about the Holy Spirit. It's good that you're here. Maybe you've been in church. You've heard a lot about the Holy Spirit. The reality is we don't just want to know the Holy Spirit. We don't just want information on the Holy Spirit. We want the transformation, uh, that comes as we follow Jesus through uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. So today's gonna be a little bit different as a message um, because throughout uh, this series, we've been asking you to submit your questions uh, on the Holy Spirit. Um, Some of you have submitted questions, so we're gonna take some time and we're gonna do a little bit of a Q&A through some of those questions that you've submitted. And so it's gonna be a little bit uh, more heady uh, through that time, but also hope to kind of um, lead us in some stuff that'll also be uh, you know kind of hearty as well. Um, and maybe even a little bit of hands and feety as we uh, move forward uh, as a church in the Spirit. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2 to set the tone um, before we kind of get into uh, the the Q&A stuff. Um, Acts chapter 2, if you need a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and uh, turn there. Um, If you need a Bible, put up uh, your hand. One of our ushers will bring you one. They'll give you one of these Bibles. Uh, You can turn to page 779 uh, in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me ask you, how many of you have ever looked at the church, whether it's this one or or any other church, uh, and said, it really could be better, right? Right? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a pastor. I look at our church all the time and say, you know what, it, it could be better. The reality is um, we are at the church, a bunch of uh, broken people uh, who do broken things and, and often fall short of where God has called us to be uh, as uh, the church, and so if you've ever done that, I just want to acknowledge. Hey, you'll do that here. I mean, sometimes people walk in and be like, you know, the first Sunday here is going to be like, oh, this is the best church, the greatest church. And I always wait to kind of see again, you know, in a couple months, because the reality is, when you hang around with broken people, even though we have Jesus, uh, we do broken stuff, and and we're not perfect. We have uh, places to grow. The question for us is, how is it that we uh, get? Better at being who Jesus has called us to be? Is it just about the things we do? Um, and the answer is no. It's about the Holy Spirit in us, being a church of the Spirit. And today we're gonna look at the role that the Holy Spirit plays in being the church that Christ has called us to be. Um, Acts chapter two is really the birth of the church. And we begin in verse one. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, uh, Pentecost was a holiday uh, in the, the uh, um, Jewish among the Jewish people Um, this was actually a time about 50 days after Jesus had died and gone to the cross and and rose again 10 days after he had ascended into heaven and so the believers are there on Pentecost and it says they were all together in one place they being the followers of Jesus were in one place they were uh, kind of in the uh, upper room kind of hiding out because Jesus had told them just kind of hang out wait until the Holy Spirit comes And while they were there, it says, "'Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance.'" If you haven't read this before, this is what we refer to in the church as the real birth of the church when the Holy Spirit comes. You see, Jesus had been there with his disciples and he had told them the helper is going to come. And he had told them that uh, they were to to wait for the Holy Spirit to come because he would come and bring power for them to live out the life that he had uh, for us uh, to live out. And so here it is happening. Now, we may have a lot of different definitions for the church, a lot of different things that we think uh, the church is. Um, But what we need to understand is that Um, All of those definitions must come back uh, to what we see here in Acts chapter 2. You know, you may define the church based on, um, okay, what we do for an hour or so on a Sunday morning, uh, or the building that you come to on a Sunday morning, or uh, how good is the ministry that goes to our kids, or or how good is the the teaching or the songs that we sing. Maybe that's how you define church, or how well we care, or how we connect in relationships. All those things uh, come together and are part of being the church, but how However we define the church, it must come down to the fact that the church is the people of God who are following Jesus and experiencing His Spirit. You see, before this moment in Acts 2, Jesus had followers, but they weren't quite the church yet that he had called them to be because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So the churches, no matter how you look at the church, ultimately comes down to the people of God following Jesus, experiencing his Holy Spirit. Now, problems come for us as church when we lose sight of what the church actually is. So, uh, the church is the people, but sometimes we make it about the programs. And we get so focused on the programs that we're doing, the things that we're doing, we miss uh, the fact that it's, it's really about the people. Uh, church gets out of line when we uh, miss the fact that we are ultimately following Jesus. And, and we get sidetracked into some other things, and we miss the fact that the church of Christ is really centered on Christ. And, and uh, But sometimes we get good at following Jesus, but we don't quite live in the power of the Spirit that He has given us and equipped us to help us to be who he's called us to be. Now, when we started this series, we talked about that, the fact that we were ready. Hey, okay, we talk about following Jesus. It's in our mission state, meeting people where they are and leading them to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus, who make disciples of Jesus. And originally in this fall, we were going to go into our discipleship series, just talk about following Jesus, following Jesus, following Jesus. However, we were convicted. The whole reason we started talking about the Holy Spirit is because we came to Acts 2. And we said, You want to know what? We can follow Jesus, we can follow Jesus, but if we're just trying to do it in our own, we are missing really being the church that Christ has called us to be. And so we said, Let's push following Jesus back a little bit and let's grasp this Holy Spirit, which sometimes we can miss. And so that's where we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes on the church. Continuing in chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound that was coming from the believers filled by the Holy Spirit, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? It says that we we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are filled with new wine. They're drunk. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on the church uh, is that, well, the people in the power of the Spirit, being filled by the Holy Spirit, are doing things that they've never done before. They're being uh, changed from the inside out. Uh, by the crowds that are standing around, they're looking and saying, oh, what does this mean? Uh, the words that, that it says here is that uh, they were bewildered. They were amazed. They were astonished. They were perplexed. Some were mocking and making fun, but bottom line is when the Holy Spirit comes, they were asking questions. I think for us as a church, um, I mean, we always have questions about God and about following Jesus. But when we start talking about the Holy Spirit and how he moves, um, sometimes the questions kind of ramp up a little bit more. To Jesus, following Jesus, we can kind of grasp that practically, but the Holy Spirit, I mean, he does some things that are not very practical for us, so what do we do with it? And we get all these uh, questions, and we recognize uh, that there's questions that come up, which is why we, we've asked uh, to submit those questions. We want to be a church where you can bring your questions. Hey, if you can't come to church to ask your questions, where do you, where do you go, Right? And so that's the church that that we are. And we hope that many of you will spend time discussing what we're talking about in discovery groups. And that's a place where you can always bring your questions week after week. But we wanted to do it uh, here on Sunday morning uh, as well too. And so you submitted uh, your questions. I'm gonna go through a few of them. Uh, I'm just gonna take about 15 minutes uh, to to go through some questions. And just kind of a disclaimer, uh, I'm not gonna pretend that. I'm gonna thoroughly uh, answer all of these questions. Uh, In fact, I may make some more questions come to your mind. Um, but uh, uh, if you miss what, what, uh, what I'm saying, I'm also going to tomorrow post all of these answers. I wrote out about 11 pages of responses to these questions. Uh, we're not going to cover all that this morning, but I am going to post all that uh, in my blog online, and you can uh, look at that tomorrow morning uh, if you have more questions and about the verses. Uh, that we're We had some questions that were uh, biblical, some questions that were theological, some that are more practical and methodological. Uh, and so uh, we're going to talk about that. And one more disclaimer um, that that these uh, come from me as a pastor uh, to uh, you trying to help grapple through uh, some of these questions. I'm not saying that they are the end all and they're not uh, necessarily uh, the final positions uh, of Discovery Church, but they are uh, mine as the pastor of this church um, to kind of lead you through um, all of them. So let's look at some of these questions. Um, and I put them on the board, and uh, we'll just kind of talk through some of them. i got to keep tracking my time here, so I'm just going to download a lot of this stuff. Some of it may be a blur, some of it uh, uh, hopefully will register here. So question number one was this. If the Holy Spirit was a normal part of people's lives in the Old Testament, then why does Jesus act like giving the Holy Spirit to believers is something new and special? Uh, you see, the, his disciples who knew the Old Testament knew about the Holy Spirit. We talked about this in week two of this, this series. Okay, the Holy Spirit uh, is not something brand new. Uh, the Holy Spirit was present at the dawn of creation. Uh, and they knew about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, he talks about a new way that the Holy Spirit is coming in God's plan. Uh, just like Jesus came to walk uh, among the people. Uh, The Holy Spirit would be coming in power in a new and special way. So it's not that the Holy Spirit was new, it's that we would experience him in a brand new way. The Holy Spirit was coming to all believers in Jesus, everywhere, with us every moment of our walk. That was something brand new, that Jesus wanted us to understand, that we would have the helper to move forward. In. So it's not that the Holy Spirit was new, but that he was coming in a new and special way. Question number two. If the Holy Spirit indwells all believers at the moment of salvation, why then does the church in Ephesus not have the Holy Spirit when Paul comes to them in Acts 19? Let's turn there. Acts 19. Um, Some of you may not know what's being talked about in this question. Many of you may not know. Um, And so um, Acts chapter 19, um, what we talked about here in our series was the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells um, all believers in Jesus. We made that as kind of our theological point. That's what the New Testament teaches us. So then in Acts chapter 19, um, this is what it says. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, the Apostle Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So there were some people that were hanging around the church who had been disciples of uh, John the Baptist, and um, the, the fact was that when Paul shows up, he got in the habit of asking because the Holy Spirit was the, the sign that we uh, were believers. And so he asked them, hey, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, we haven't even heard uh, about the Holy Spirit. And, and so Paul says, then, then what have you done? And, and so they talk about this baptism that John was doing. John the Baptist at the beginning of the Gospels, you can read about this. John had been baptizing people uh, in preparation for Jesus' coming in what was called the baptism of repentance. See, the Jewish people used to do uh, a baptism, um, which was kind of a sign of, of uh, cleansing of, of sin. Uh, but John the Baptist spoke about a time when Jesus would come and that he would uh, baptize not just with water, but in the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul's asking this question, he's asking them, um, so uh, what have you done? And they say, well, we followed what John said, but they hadn't followed what Jesus had said. In fact, they didn't even know about the Holy Spirit, so they didn't know Jesus' teaching very well. So the picture that we get of these followers is that they uh, really weren't following Jesus. They were following what John uh, had done. And so Paul then goes on and he tells them, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying, as uh, I'm that they had received the Holy Spirit. So what Paul does is take incomplete information, completes it with the gospel of Jesus. That these people receive Jesus. They receive the Holy Spirit as pro- promised. And they uh, give evidence to the fact that the Holy Spirit was walking in them. And what we need to understand about uh, the book of Acts uh, is that the book of Acts is descriptive about uh, how God worked in this period of history. And every time that we come to one of these passages, we should ask, what does God want us to know? And I would say what God wants us to know in this passage uh, is the fact that we can do a bunch of religious stuff. We can have partial information about God. We can have uh, partial information, but... The way that we are saved is through the name of Jesus. And for, for those of us um, who uh, are uh, walking with Jesus, it is our job, like Paul, to be able to make sure people know the fullness of the gospel so that we can receive the fullness of the life that Jesus has called us to. Sometimes you'll come to these passages in Acts, and, and you want to ask, hey, what does God want us to know in here? Is it something that we are supposed to do or is it something that uh, we are supposed to know that God, uh, about God and about how he works? And um, that's what I say about this, this passage here, is that what we believe that the entire New Testament shows us is that all believers receive the Holy Spirit when we trust in Jesus um, and that that's where we want to press into and have that assurance. All right. There's a lot more on that on, on that blog answer that I don't have time to go into. Um, the next question is this: Acts chapter five, uh, Peter calls Ananias out for lying about how he sold property for and withhold how much he sold his property for and withholding the rest. Why did Peter single out the Holy Spirit instead of just saying he was lying to God when he told Ananias that he was lying to the Holy Spirit? Also, why did that act by Ananias deserve instant death? Acts chapter 5, turn back uh, there. Uh, Maybe you don't know the story, about Ananias and his wife uh, in the early church, they lie about how much they sold their property for, uh, and uh, they actually get kind of Uh, struck dead right in church there I mean that would make for interesting church right Um, but uh, the 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 reality is uh, this I I mean I love this question because uh, it points to looking closely at scripture and the scripture says this Acts 5 verse 3 Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit there says that he was lying to the Holy Spirit Uh, Down in verse 4, it says this, You have not lied to man, but to God. Um, So one of the points of the scripture is that we see the Holy Spirit equated to God. Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit, and he lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God. But what we also learned in talking about God is the fact that he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And while all equally God, they have distinct works. We looked at the work of the Holy Spirit to counsel, uh, to convict, to comfort, that the Holy Spirit comes to lead us into the life that Christ purchased for us on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. The Holy Spirit did not. The Holy Spirit came afterwards uh, and leads us into that life. So the reason that it says that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit is that there must have been something specific to to the work of the Holy Spirit that he was not acknowledging. Maybe it was that the Holy Spirit was counseling him on how to give um, and uh, that uh, Ananias um, was not going by that counsel. It could have been that after he was lying about it, um, that the Holy Spirit began to convict him and say uh, that you uh, are lying about this, and uh, Ananias tried to justify himself uh, in all of that. So there's something specific about um, that work um, in which um, Ananias, that um, the Word of God wants us to know that he was lying uh, to the Holy Spirit and not um, just to God um, as a whole. Um, So pay attention to those things. And then why did it deserve instant death? Um, You know, one of the realities, um, the fact that we live in the grace of Jesus, that we live in the presence of the Holy Spirit with us every day. Again, it was different in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people uh, grew up knowing that God was to be feared, that God was holy, that God was glorious, that God was distant, that he was wholly separate. And it is possible for us uh, in the church today to feel like, oh, God's, God's just our buddy, God's just our friend, um, God is lesser than uh, that he was because he's with us all the time. But God makes this point in the book of Acts very clearly, that God is still holy, that God is still glorious, that God is still who he is, and it's just a fact of his grace that he comes close to us. So Ananias and Sapphira, they uh, were the difficult example for you and I. Not that we have to worry today that God's just going to strike us down, though I guess he could, um, if he wanted to. But, but that we would remember, uh, again, the point of the story in Acts, that he is glorious, that he is wholly apart, and that we don't miss that uh, in the midst of his grace. Can you lose the Holy Spirit? Is the next question. We covered this, and we say, uh, no, we can't lose the Holy Spirit. If we are truly followers of Jesus, uh, Jesus promised that He would send the Helper to be with us forever. And He said in Second Corinthians chapter one uh, that He has set His seal of ownership on us, guaranteeing what is to come. And so we believe that the Holy Spirit is always present with us, that we cannot lose the Holy Spirit, and that is great assurance. Oftentimes we ask this question when we're struggling and we're worried that God has left us. Sometimes when we're going through difficult circumstances, we worry that God has left us, but be assured that He has not left you. He is still with you. He is walking with you. He wants you to press into Him. Next question, if we believe that the Holy Spirit really wants relationship with us, then why is it so hard to experience him in a real way? I read the Bible, I pray, I listen, but I can't hear him, I can't feel his peace, and have to work hard to connect even in the smallest ways. Why is it so hard? Anybody else feel that way in the midst of this series? We're talking about the Holy Spirit on Sunday, but then Monday comes, it seems so hard, and it shouldn't seem like it is just easy. We covered this. In week five, when I talked about the life of, in the Spirit, I talked about my own example of, of how it's hard and how it gets crazy and, and the journey uh, can be difficult. And that's our reality. We have questions about why it's so hard. Um, but, th- but that's the life that we walk in the Spirit. He's continually growing us through perseverance, through struggle, through both joys and both challenges. But he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He is walking right alongside of us get into some more practical questions. You guys still with me? Yeah, still with me? Okay. Kind of? A few more. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our helper with a capital H. Yet when I think of him as such, I tend to think of him as my helper with a lowercase h, thus being less than me and not as important as me. What can I do to help cultivate a higher view of the Holy Spirit as helper? Uh, This is the problem that we all have. Okay, We rest on our own power and seek to do things in our own power rather than the power of God. We elevate ourselves and uh, lower who God is. That's our core problem. But I would simply ask, how is it going for you in that? I mean, we, we can do a lot of things. I mean, we're talented, gifted, able people. I mean, we can get a job, we can fix a car, we can get a degree, uh, we can do uh, surgery, um, if you're a surgeon and trained to do that sort of thing, I guess. I mean, we can get training, we can do stuff, right? But how about when it comes to the spiritual life? How are you doing at overcoming temptation? How are you coming at battling through sin? How are you coming at loving your husband or loving your wife? How are you doing at going out and being a witness to the gospel? If you're a leader, how are you doing at leading? How are you doing at serving in the church? See, these are the things that the Spirit leads us to do in Christ. And where I come to is, hey, if we do some reflection on God's word, we'll often find that we feel helpless in those areas and that we really need the helper. And so I would just encourage, if you're kind of in that boat of elevating self and not realizing your need for the Holy Spirit, to do some reflection on how you're doing in the things that Jesus has called us to do um, and to, to uh, just cultivate that need for the Helper with the capital H, the Holy Spirit. How do I know when to pray to God and when to pray to Jesus and when to pray to the Holy Spirit? Do I pray to the Spirit for purposes of conviction, counsel, and comfort, or other things? This is a great practical question. Sometimes you'll hear us from stage uh, praying uh, to God, sometimes to God the Father, sometimes to God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, How do we pray? Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 6.18 calls us to pray in the Spirit, not to pray to the Spirit. And basically, the New Testament uh, uniformly kind of tells us that we are to pray to God the Father, through God the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we pray in the Spirit. And we don't see examples of praying to the Holy Spirit uh, in the New Testament. We don't see really examples of praying to Jesus either, yet we um, uh, understand that we thank Jesus for dying on the cross for us. Jesus' disciples had the opportunity to ask him questions. I think we can too. And we acknowledge Jesus for the work that he has done. And if there's one thing that we know about prayer. If we look at a deeper level. I mean generally we want to follow the New Testament pattern. But if we look at the bigger scale. Um, how is it that, that. What do we believe about prayer? That we, we pray as part of our relationship with God. And as part of our relationship we pray as we know God. So how do you know God? Some of you are brand new to this. And all that we say is muster what you, can, what you know about God. Dear God, I know you're loving. I know you're great. But as we get to know Jesus more, we hope in this series that we are knowing Jesus more. That we're knowing God the Father. That we're knowing God the Son. That we're knowing God the Spirit. And that we would be able to pray to God as we know him. I Take this as an example. If you're brand new to this church, you may just send an email to info at discovery because you don't know anybody or, or what they do. Um, and so you'll, get, you'll send out the generic email and it will go. But as you stay here, you get to know, okay, who is the pastor? Who is the teacher? Uh, who is uh, the worship leader? Who does the connections? Who leads discovery groups? Uh, those are the different works that are given. And so if you're seeking the work of the Holy Spirit to invite him, come Holy Spirit. Come, bring your conviction. Come, bring your counsel. We thank Jesus for dying on the cross. If you're always praying to the Holy Spirit, uh, we might be that we're out of out of line with the New Testament. However, um, we pray to God as we know him. We pray to the Father. We pray to the Son. We pray to the Spirit. They're all weak, equally God. And we pray to God as we know him. Want a couple more? Yeah? Okay. What does it mean to listen to the Holy Spirit? What does He sound like? Um, that's good because sometimes we talk about just hearing the Holy Spirit, uh, like is just you know like um, you know the cricket on our shoulder, you know speaking speaking to us. Um, and sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us loud and clear. We know uh, what that sounds like. Other times, uh, it is a little bit um, my, more of kind of a learned learn skill as we as we grow. Um, And so anybody who has come to Jesus knows whether it was uh, whatever drew you uh, to uh, come and to trust in Christ, whether it was a message that you heard, uh, a piece of scripture that you read, uh, whether it was, you know, come down front, uh, whether it was on your knees in your bedroom, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you and drawing you uh, to Christ. And so sometimes we experience him in those ways, sometimes uh, through uh, signs, sometimes through the, the counsel of community around us, sometimes through dreams uh, or visions. The Holy Spirit can speak to us in all those ways. So it's not just kind of uh, a simple answer. This is how he speaks. I've also often experienced him, as it says in Isaiah 30, 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, you will hear the Spirit of God speaking to you. I'm a biologist. I know that generally we hear when sounds come, vibrate, uh, the hairs in our eardrums, and it goes to our mind, and we process those things. I think the Spirit doesn't speak through that channel. It speaks through the channels of our heart and through our soul. It'll speak to this, us in different ways. Uh, he'll speak to us uh, through his word. He'll speak to us through the council of community. Those are great safeguards because sometimes as you're starting out, there are other spirits that will speak to us, voices from our flesh that come out. How do we know that it's the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, the, the, scripture, uh, the Spirit will never speak out of line with Scripture. And so we use God's word as a safeguard. The more we spend time in God's word, uh, the more we will learn to hear his voice. The more time we spend time uh, in Christian community, we will learn to hear his voice and learn to follow after him. How can we avoid quenching the Holy Spirit that is in us? That comes from a, a scripture in First Thess- Thessalonians 5 that simple passage. It says, do not quench the Spirit. Um, It's a good verse to remember. The Holy Spirit comes to lead us into the life that Christ has for us, uh, to to continue to fan that flame, to, to continue to impassion us to live for Christ. But we do things that quench that fire, that pour cold water on the fire that God is growing in us through the Spirit. And when we hear the Spirit, we don't want to ignore His nudges. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will get louder uh, in us. Uh, Take maybe as an example, I experienced this. um, You know, we have baptism coming up next week. Um, I experienced this myself when it came to baptism, where the first time that I even heard about baptism was in church service. I said, ah, that's kind of a a weird, weird thing. Uh, It's kind of a a nudge of the Spirit to uh, start checking it out in a deeper way. So I went to Scripture Uh, And I heard um, what God was saying in his word about baptism. And the Holy Spirit kept nudging in in that. Pretty soon his whispers became louder uh, into the level of of a scream. That was a step that he wanted me uh, to take in that. And some of you may have experienced that in some of those ways. You've seen baptism before. Maybe you said, ah, maybe I should get to that someday. Maybe as we've talked about at this time, maybe uh, the Spirit is speaking a little bit louder. If you're committed to following Jesus, if you want to publicly identify Him, if you want to uh, fully give that, that representation that you are with Christ, uh, maybe He would uh, take these words that were given and just kind of that He would use those, lead you into Scripture and say, yes, now is the time. The Holy Spirit's voice uh, can grow in that way. But what I would say is don't miss what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Learn to listen to the whispers and the nudges, but definitely do not harden your heart when he's speaking loud and clear. Do not quench the work of the Spirit. He is leading us into good ways. Two more I got, and these are are ones we covered uh, partially last week. Um, Have the demonstrative gifts ceased. Or does the Holy Spirit still bestow these on the followers? We're talking about gifts of healing, gifts of tongues and interpretation, gifts of prophecy, some of these sign gifts. I talked about this last week, and I said that um, in the scriptures, we learn and we believe that they have not ceased uh, at this point. And so in the follow-up question is this, why don't we see them more in the body of discovery? Um, And I would say to you is that we do see them uh, in the body of discovery. And we have had healings here. We have people who uh, speak in tongues uh, personally. Um, We have uh, people who um, have seen uh, the miracles of God that that speak prophecy into one another. Why don't we see them at a larger uh, Sunday gathering? It may be that we haven't um, been as open to them or created space for them. Um, It it may be that we haven't um, sought after them. Um, It may be that just at this point, this is how God uh, is best advancing the gospel. We don't just want these gifts for the sake of having these gifts. We want to advance uh, Jesus. It's something, honestly, that we're praying through. As we talk about unleashing the Spirit, the last thing we want to do is put the Holy Spirit in a box. Just because we don't see the Spirit uh, doesn't mean that he's not uh, as active in other ways. But we're going to pray through it. We're going to continue this journey of having these conversations. What does it look like for the Holy Spirit to show up to lead us to know Jesus more? Now, what happens if the Holy Spirit does something wild for us? That's our last question here um, that that I'll, I'll hit. And it's this. What if the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues are different and given to different people? How do I know when I'm going to deliver a message in tongues and someone else who has the gift of interpretation is there and will interpret? Like practically speaking, how would we handle this? Okay, last week we looked at this, that if somebody speaks in tongues publicly, that there must be an interpretation. 1 Corinthians 14 calls us to that. So um, imagine that you feel like you have the gift of tongues and you feel God calling you to to speak uh, out here. Uh, and the public is saying, well, first, I would say, if you feel you have the gift of tongues, now would be a wonderful time to, to talk to the elders of this church. Jake was up here. I'm here. Justin Keneshoff was also one of, one of those. Because uh, we want to know the gifts that you feel that you have to build up the body so we can talk through that. But just suppose, um, let me just give this example. If we were to um, have a time of sitting uh, a, with God, with Christ, in the Holy Spirit, And somebody did speak out in tongues. What would we do? Um, Well, I would come up here on stage um, and I would explain what has happened um, here. And then we would also explain that uh, when God moves in that way, that we um, are expecting an interpretation because that's how God works. This isn't something that is orchestrated between people. It's something that the Spirit does when he leans uh, on us. And so it's not kind of coordinate. Okay, I'm going to speak in tongues. You speak. Uh, give this interpretation. It's not that at all. It's the Spirit of God speaking through. And so if that were to happen, we would we would wait for that interpretation. Uh, if it didn't come, we would um, continue to kind of come up. If we had an interpretation, we could thank God for that. Uh, and if it built up the body, if we didn't, well, we would uh, continue on with the service. And one way or another. Um, We would kind of talk with whoever's um, using those gifts publicly um, in order to kind of counsel and lead through that. Because as elders of the church, we are to be discerning in that. That's the responsibility that God has given us to use our gifts for the building up of the body, to not create disorder or chaos, and to not point to the gifts as they are alone, but to point to Jesus. That's what we're ultimately about. And so, um, these are just some of the questions that came up. Um, like I said, you can go, and I know uh, this has just been a huge download of information. It took a little longer than I wanted to on them. Um, you have more questions, I'm sure. But in all these questions, remember that as a church, we're not just pursuing the Holy Spirit. We're pursuing Jesus. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to come and to dwell in us and to lead us in that pursuit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the helper as we follow Jesus. What we don't want to leave here is have all of this information that we've gotten in the series and just leave with some information. The Holy Spirit leads us to transformation. And as we look at that New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, the church was Transformed. There were questions and what happened in Acts chapter 2 when there were questions, one of them, one of the disciples, Peter, stood up and he led the people uh, through an incredible sermon in Acts chapter 2 explaining what was happening. He started in the Old Testament uh, and said, this is what God spoke about ahead of time, that this time would come uh, when uh, men and women Uh, would have the Holy Spirit of God poured out, and you would see things, dreams, uh, visions, words of prophecy, speaking in tongues. This is what is happening. And then he led and he pointed people to Jesus. And you know what says happened? Yes, when the Holy Spirit came on the church, there were questions. They were bewildered. They were perplexed. But there was uh, an explanation to all those questions. And it says in Acts chapter 2, And when they heard, when those crowds that were questioning, mocking, bewildered, when they heard, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter, what is it Well, we should do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls. That includes us when the Holy Spirit showed up, when there was a a move of the Holy Spirit in view of the gospel of Jesus, not only were there questions, but people were saved. There was repentance. There was salvation. There was baptism. There was the community of the church that grew up. And what happened next in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, we see this incredible View of the church, gripped by the gospel, empowered by the Spirit and it says the life that they lived was this they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles all who believed were together had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need day by day attending the temple together breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising god and having favor with all the people and the lord added To their number, day by day, those who are being saved. If you have been around the church, you know that this is kind of like the the pinnacle, the picture, the vision that we always hold up and say, Man, if the church could just look like this. And so we look at the church that we experience and say, If it was only more like this, devoted to teaching, devoting to one another, uh, devoted to the witness, seeing people come to be saved, thousands upon thousands, that would just be awesome. Day after day, people coming to know Jesus. And we get all excited about that, and, and we look around, and when we look at what we have, we say, how can we get like that? And so often what we do is we turn and say, can we do better programs? You know, if only we had better teaching. If only we could put the Bible in everybody's hands on a smartphone, on an app, and then people would be devoted to the teaching. Or we say things like, if only we could do things to uh, promote discovery groups more, then people would get into community. Or, or we do things like, hey, if only we could do something where, uh, like Souls for Souls, where, you know, people uh, would get kind of their leftover shoes, the ones that they're not wearing anymore, to go uh, around the world. Um, then we could say that we're, we're generous. And we do these programs. Or we look and we say, if only we had better people on stage or in the seats, then uh, we would see this church. But how did this church come to be? Was it through a program? When Peter stood up and all of a sudden they had 30,000 and they said, okay, you're gonna go here, you're gonna meet in this home or that. No. How did the church become that church? They were a people who were gripped by the gospel of Jesus Christ and empowered By the Holy Spirit of God. And it wasn't something that they tried to do. It was somebody that they became. When they were people gripped by the gospel and empowered by the spirit, the church emerged. But yet we keep saying, how can we do better? How can we do it better? And we ask these questions and I'm all for asking questions. Sometimes we need to do some things better. But if we miss the heart of it, we miss saying, are we grasping the gospel in our lives? And are we living according to the Holy Spirit? We will never be the church that Christ called us to be. So how is it at the end of this series that we don't just say that was some good stuff? How do we move forward? I'll give you three things. Number one, I'll say this. Being the church in the Holy Spirit, it begins with you. And it begins with me. We are as a church, corporately, as a body, the sum of our parts. And we can have a few people that are walking with Christ, that are understanding the gospel, uh, that are seeking the spirit, but if we're not together, we're going to continue to see gaps and continue to see holes. So I'd ask you at the end of this series, are you committed to being gripped by the gospel and empowered by the spirit? Secondly, I would say this, that together together, we continually check our gauges. You know, like the gauges on the dashboard of your car. When the, the light starts blinking to check your engine, you check your engine. When the light starts blinking, you're low on oil, you, you check your oil. You pay attention to the problem. And so Acts 2:42 to 47, it's, it's a nice kind of gauge for us. How is our devotion these days, Church? Are we devoted to the teaching of God's word that God in His grace has given us His words that we can uh, walk in His life? Are we committed to knowing His word, to seeking Him daily? How's our devotion? How is our community? Are we meeting together regularly? Are we coming together on Sundays? Are we coming together in our homes? What's our level of our community? Are we caring for one another? What's our level of witness? Are people seeing Discovery Church and saying, yeah, man, there's something going on there and asking those questions and are they coming and seeing Jesus? How's our witness? Or could we go away this week and nobody would ever know the difference? How's our generosity, church? Are we all about seeing needs and and meeting those needs as we see them so that nobody has need? Are we... Generous people, how's our generosity? How's our worship? Do we come into worship on a Sunday morning and is it the sum of the celebration of all that God has done? Whether we have tough circumstances or good, do we give thanks for who we have in Jesus or do we come and say, okay, those are good songs or I don't like that song. How's our worship? So these are gauges that we're continually checking together and I'll tell you, as a leadership, we are constantly checking these gauges. Are you checking your own gauges personally? Because the problem is not that there's not a good enough program. It may be our understanding of the gospel and our walk with the Holy Spirit. Because the way that we advance moving forward is this. We advance gripped by the gospel, empowered by the Spirit. That is how we become the church that Christ called us and died for us to be. And so are we gripped by the gospel? Before the Holy Spirit study, we talked about the gospel and the reality that that we must be a people that recognize that we are broken. We are broken people who struggle with sin, but God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus. And so we can come together as a church and we can say, yeah, we're broken people, we'll mess up, but we live in the grace of Jesus. We are gripped by the gospel. We are continually growing in the gospel and we are empowered by the Spirit to do and to be who we cannot be on our own. That is the church that we'll be. So as we wrap up this series this morning, the way that we're going to close here, um, it's not the end of the conversation, even though it's the end of the series. We're continuing to, to, to grow in the gospel, continuing to seek the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. But today we're going to close just by inviting the Holy Spirit um, to to come among us as a church. Uh, As a leader here, I'm going to pray on behalf of us as a church and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, We're going to sing and we're going to continue to sing a song of prayer to invite the Holy Spirit to come, to be present in this church. And then uh, we're going to be led into communion. Wait to come to the tables until you're instructed to do so. Uh, and then we'll continue to sing and to raise our praises to, to God. We'll take communion together as that reminder of the gospel of Jesus. So church, um, as we close, would you stand with me? Lord God, our heavenly Father, we come and we, we confess that we are broken, sinful, wayward people, that we don't have it all together, we stumble, we fall, and we confess, God, that there are ways that we have not followed strongly after you, we confess that we have not always listened uh, to your voice from your word or by your spirit, and sometimes we have wandered through life rather than following you, Jesus, fully surrendered day after day. And so we come, an attitude of confession, an attitude of repentance. That God, as you speak to us, we want to listen. We want to trust in you. We want to go in the ways that you have for us. God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that you sent him to the cross to pay for our brokenness, that we can come before you, that we can stand before one another and say, we are broken, we're messed up, we stumble and fall, but in Jesus, we are made right. In Jesus, we are made clean. We need Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for sending the helper Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we want your help. We invite you to come to be present in this church, to be present in our families, to be present in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you. Jesus, this is your church. We're purchased by your blood. We're led by your spirit. We invite you. Come.